0: Hey there, conquerors, and welcome to episode 64 of Conquering Columbus. Today on the show, we have Randy Gerber, and he is the principal and founder of Gerber LLC, a financial advisory firm that focuses on helping entrepreneurs and folks who are just starting out with their business. And Randy's got a lot of great advice for all of our entrepreneurs and people who are looking to be entrepreneurs out there. So we think you'll learn a lot and we hope you enjoy it. Before we get to that interview though, guys, I want to take a moment and ask you all for a quick favor go ahead pick up that phone of yours you're listening to this on and uh, check out your podcast app whether it's iTunes Pocket Cast Stitcher uh, whatever you like to listen on Uh, there will be a subscribe button and if you click that it will make sure that you never miss a single episode of Conquering Columbus and the last thing we want to do before we start the show is take the time to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus and that starts with our friends over at AWH for those of you who haven't heard of AWH they are a digital product consulting, user experience, and software development firm. And with over 22 years of experience, AWH collaborates with a variety of clients to drive desired business outcomes through great digital products. To find out more, check out awh.net and let them know Conquering Columbus sent you. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by The Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect Entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital, through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. For more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org.
1: And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them is a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing easy to use and tailored fit facilities maintenance and management software they serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management manufacturing fast casual restaurants you can learn more or check out a free trial at gofmx.com.
0: all right Conquerors, that's all we got let's get this show on the road you could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and i might get you know my head kicked in
1: I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire
0: to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. we got a great guest today, and for an intro, I'm gonna kick it over to Josh.
1: Hey guys, today on the show, we're excited to welcome Randy Gerber and Randy graduated from OSU's Fisher College of Business with a degree in Management Information Systems. After college he founded his own company Gerber LLC was founded with the goal of being a true partner to first-generation entrepreneurs. They help entrepreneurs better manage their lives, businesses, and wealth here in Columbus. Really excited to have him on the show and uh, welcome to Concrete Columbus Randy. Happy to be here.
2: Thanks for having me guys.
1: So what's a typical day in your life look like now with the business and Kind of your role on things, and kind of give us a breakdown there.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, there's no typical day, or maybe uh, fortunately, there's no typical day. It, it days that I'm actually in the office are pretty much back to back, seeing clients. We're, we're pretty focused on that, and um, we may see five clients in a day, and, and so heavy times like November, December, we're, 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 we're pumping people through here.
1: What makes November and December heavier than the rest?
2: So we we have um, predefined topics we address with our clients, and one of those topics is their tax relationship with their business. And so we're we're the, 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 doing our tax reviews. You're a little dependent on what is happening in the year and what could happen, and you really can't do it too early in the year. You have to kind of wait until November, December. So uh, we're we're seeing a lot of people that do planning for. For the current year and what's happening next year as well too
0: okay right and before we dive into anything else i just kind of want to just better understand gerber llc and what it does today and uh, it's kind of jumping ahead a little bit but um you know we gave a brief background on it but what would your description of what gerber llc does be? you know so we
2: well i'll answer that kind of two ways we, our our long-term goal is to the, uh, the handle the life cycle of an entrepreneur from startup to legacy so we, we right now have what we call an established product, which is for our, our clients that um, are, are a little larger, that, you know, the average size companies around $27 million of sales. We have an emerging entrepreneur product, which is for companies from $300,000 of sales to, to usually $1 million, but it goes high as $2 million. Eventually, you know, maybe next year we'll have a startup product for people who, that will be an online-based product. It will be people truly thinking about a startup, you know, should, should they do it or not web based really inexpensive and we have we, we do this on a a formal basis already but we don't have a package what we call a legacy product which for clients who have sold their businesses and they're thinking about their legacy and what's next and and uh, we haven't really spent a tremendous ton, tremendous amount of formal time on the wealth transfer piece to their next kids we do it but we haven't we haven't made it as uh, polished if you will as our established and our uh, emerging clients are
1: okay. so can you walk us through what one of those products would look like for maybe the difference between the three hundred thousand to the two million mark and then the two million to you mentioned up to like twenty seven million
2: yeah so our emerging our emerging uh, product which again for companies with three hundred thousand two million dollars of sales what we've learned is that so so we're in a unique situation with our clients in that we have access to all things financial from their personal life their business life and different than accountants. Accountants have information to taxes and so forth but we also have complete access to what's happening emotionally, what's happening at home, how their kids doing, where their kids going to college, are their kids going to college. Um, And what we've had, uh, we've had 27 successful exits, where in other words 27 clients have sold their businesses. And we have, when you look at our clients' businesses by and large they're they're at the top end of the spectrum for within their industry for how successful they are, not just financially, but also market leadership and, and innovation. And so we've got, we, our belief is that we actually have insight and wisdom to, to information and timing and sequencing that we should be able to transfer that information and wisdom to clients who are in that high growth phase from $300,000 to $2 million of sales. So the emerging product is designed that it's it's a classroom based or forum based product where they're they're in the room with other entrepreneurs deliberately to get the peer to peer sharing that that is so critical because when you're an entrepreneur I don't care what stage you are it's a lonely existence I mean very few people and I can spend a lot of time on this topic that very few people really understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur until you're an entrepreneur and and some of the worst advice I got over the years were from people who really cared and loved me but they had. They didn't, they weren't entrepreneurs and they didn't understand what's going on and they, they were doing the best, but it wasn't it just was wrong you know, mm-hmm. so the emerging product the first session you walk out of it and it's once a month for uh, four to five hours, you walk out of the first session with a written functional actionable business plan. Second session is cash flow versus profit. So many entrepreneurs do not understand the difference between cash flow and profit. Look at their financials and say, wow we're profitable, but there's no cash. Why? And there's lots of reasons why that is. The third session is financial reporting. Fourth session is uh, financial modeling and capitalization. Then we get into um, sales and, pr- and product pricing, uh, culture, operations. And it's, it's basically all the things that you, we, we, we boil it down to here's why this is important. Here's what you should do. And here are the things you should absolutely not do. And, and because so many first-generation entrepreneurs left their own devices will make the same mistakes over and over. The mistakes I made, too. We, we have the benefit now of time and, and seeing what's been successful. Our established product, in, in, at the end of the day, is helping the client understand their relationship with their business. So what does it mean to them today on a current cash flow basis? Can I send my kids to college? Can I buy the second house? Can I buy a bigger house? Um, can my, my spouse stay home? It also is, what's the future value worth? So the, the first one is connecting the cash flow, and then future value. What does this business need to be worth someday? Whether it be an exit business I'm selling or lifestyle business I'm hiring professional management, what does it need to be worth in order for me to hit my long-term financial goal to, to retire? And then, how's my ego attached to the business? You know. And so so we, we break up our content where we meet with the client on three times a year in structured basis, we meet with them more than that, but three very clear structured meetings where the first meeting is all what I would call traditional financial planning, financial independence, education, insurance, estate planning. Entrepreneurs almost always have the relationship between their estate planning and the operation of the business never mesh. They're always wrong. You know, Something happens to me, mom's running the business. <laughs> you know, Mom doesn't know anything about running the business. Um, the second meeting is all about, here's where you are in the marketplace with your business. Here's where it need to be. How do you get there? So we get into compensation planning, uh, capital structure. Um, we're we, they're in perpetual due diligence. So we're always getting the business ready to sell. And then the third meeting, as I mentioned before, is your tax relationship with the business.
1: So it's almost like you guys take an approach more than just financial advisors, but all around business consultant. That's in right. All aspects.
2: Yeah, the investment management piece, which we do. So as, as an example. And the emerging entrepreneur product, we don't talk about investments or insurance or and it, there's no conversation about that whatsoever. The emerging entrepreneur, we, we or I'm sorry, the established entrepreneur, we do, we talk about that, but it's incidental to the consulting piece. I mean when you really think about it, and I tell people this all the time, if you're an entrepreneur, you know if you give your money to us and we make seven percent or nine percent per year on it, it, that doesn't change your life. Selling your business for 40 million dollars versus four million dollars. Changes your life, so let's focus on, on the business because that's really what's going to move the needle. And as you have, you know, free cash flow or liquidity events, then let's not be foolish with the money. And what we've learned is, unfortunately, in the traditional financial advisory business, you know, they when they advise first generation entrepreneurs, they have a tendency to give them riskier investments and more complicated investments because they think they're they're risk averse. The truth is, most first generation entrepreneurs. Are actually very risk averse in anything but their business, and so the investment process is actually the way we do it is much simpler, far more elegant, low fee, and it doesn't need to be complicated because there's plenty of complication in the business. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, I think I was listening to something the other day, and it was, and I wish I could come up with the name of it because it was a really sophisticated investor, and they were talking about how they literally said that exact same thing, which is kind of kind of cool how that aligned They're talking about you have so much complication in your life and your own business already, and then people try to. There are other degrees and other avenues in it. It becomes overwhelming. You end up losing it The yeah, other ones. Right. You
2: know? so it's- I mean, when things are going tough in your business, the last thing you need is for things to not work in your investment world. And so we, we really make sure, and this is without getting into details, we we do spend tremendous time on the cash flow, the cash cycles, the cash flow availability, the cash flow, you know, things that can kill cash flow, and have the investments set up in a fashion that if we need to create cash flow to augment the business is short shortcoming, we can do that pretty quickly. And so few advisors think like that. And I get it because most people don't have a block of, I mean, you know, you might have one or two companies
0: as clients, you know, well, that's all of our clients. Right. So where did the focus on entrepreneurs and, and startups and companies come from? i will need to say this as professionally
2: and politely as possible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so when I started out of college, technically I was in college, anybody was a client. So I mean, there's a tech, I, I, she needs to change this. We we didn't start in 1990 with a focus on first generation entrepreneurs. We were general financial planners. I was mm-hmm. a general financial planner. And I sold anything to anybody. And we got lucky in 1993, uh, three, we had two things happen. We got endorsed by the Chamber of Commerce to provide 401k plans to their members. We had a vein of clients in, this, in the uh, cellular communication business so 93 is pretty early right well they sold and I guess I can say this we had a bunch of clients at cellular one who when cellular One sold the Verizon they had liquidity event and so you know I had spent the first 10 years of my financial planning life where the market went pretty much straight up and there was one modestly bad year in 1994 but nothing nothing substantial then when the market corrected in 2000 in 2001 2002 Really could see you know who behaved nicely you know what what, what did we do wrong what you know and you know, a couple of conclusions that we drew that number one those clients who went through a holistic financial plan really they were frustrated with the market correction but they weren't they weren't upset those that didn't it was an emotional disaster for them it was an emotional disaster for us and then when I really started looking at the behavior of different types of people from retirees to executives, to business owners. I, like The business owners, th- when they had a plan, they were okay. They, they weren't, and, and they're very loyal on top of that as well too. So we started gravitating towards business owners and I realized a few years later, like 03 or 04, it's not just business owners, it's specifically first generation entrepreneurs. They, they really have a different lens and that's not to say second, third, fourth generation are bad at all. They just have different agendas. You know, part of, part of the agenda is protection of the business, is family legacy and, 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 you know, finding their own way within the business, right? And so it's a different animal and it really requires, in my opinion, a different expertise. Um, and the first generation entrepreneurs, they really, male, female, I don't care, they're, they're, they're very similar. The, the things that, are, that, uh, that resonate with them are pretty similar.
1: So when you speak about the market correctly in the early 2000s, what were some of the things that you saw that separated the people, like, I know you mentioned it in kind of a theoretical standpoint, but more um, defined areas that you noticed that really separated these people? Business owners,
2: successful business owners, are used to having a business plan, okay? And they know they stick to the plan, plan works. So they stuck to their financial plan, they stuck to their investment plan. The executives you know, particularly in today's world, they're pretty transient, right? they 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 change jobs when things aren't working out for them. They, they, you know, change whatever. Um, they changed their investment plan. They, they didn't stick to it. And they, and we really saw they harmed themselves. It was very emotional, even though everything you laid out in front of them and writing and you could go to history for proof and it's, it's still accurate. It's gonna be okay with time. It's gonna be okay. But they just couldn't
1: get their arms around that by and large and they couldn't do it. So kind of circle back, from that answer, another thing that I wanted to compare and contrast to you—you you said you see a lot of businesses that are going to go from forty to forty million—is where your focus is going to be on. What kind of things are you seeing that you're helping these people with? That's helping them grow to that potential.
2: So there's a couple common themes that going from four million to forty million dollars of sales. That in, in that scope, number one, a common mistake entrepreneurs make—they underinvest in their Internal financial expertise. They underinvest in controllers. They underinvest in CFOs horribly, and that's something that we are really working hard to encourage our clients to spend that you know that overhead sooner. It pays for itself almost always. I mean, I mean, it pays for itself very quickly. Within three months, it's paying for itself. That's one common mistake. The second mistake is they don't have what I call a business operating system. So they don't have a, you know standard communication rhythms and, and they don't have they don't have training and they don't they don't they don't have a career path for their employees. So we really encourage them to, to use tools like EOS, entrepreneurial operating system, or rockefeller habits. And that really helps create process around operations. It doesn't do anything for your where you are strategically in, in, in the in, in your business. Um, it doesn't solve, you know, super hairy people problems, but it gives you a fundamental process. That's that's another big one. And the other one is communication. They don't you know, they don't it's hard to adjust, it's hard to scale communication. When as a business is scaling in 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 complication, that's a really big one. They don't understand that how the business has changed because they're so much bigger. Not just in number of people, but rather they may have more product lines, they may have another location, they might have Uh, They might have subsidiaries, who knows, right? And they they never, it's hard for them to learn how to scale communications across, and and stay on mission, you know? And I'm making the assumption these are businesses with well-defined missions, well-defined purpose, well-defined values. And and if they're not, those are going to be in trouble, and they won't make make it to $40 million. But if they have well-defined vision, purpose, values, um, then they're going to struggle along the way with the communication piece.
0: Right. You know, it's interesting how you mentioned that because, one of our guests that we had on who was an entrepreneur, he started a media business called flow sports. i don't know if you know it um, but at one point, one of his biggest issues early on was that they didn't have any structure to their um, hierarchy they didn't have any hi- structural hierarchy, and no one knew who to communicate when there was yep. an issue and you know he mentioned that very specifically, and that was one of the solutions they had was to build a hierarchy and make sure everyone knew then this happens there needs to be this chain of communication so yep.
2: we, we just came back from our our annual retreat and it it definitely um uh, they want to know who's in charge of what decision and, and, and it, it evolves when you're when you're going from four to forty million dollars it evolves and it changes it does the other piece too I think I mean specifically it doesn't happen as much in the four to 40 but it absolutely happens in the half million to, to ten million space is the early employees that you, you bring on those early employees the guy the people that were there with you from the beginning and the business outgrows them you know and that's that's a really tough um, it's a tough one for a lot of uh, a lot of entrepreneurs because there's a sense of loyalty and you know they bet on me when, when, I, was, when I was growing and, and now they're no longer relevant and it is hard the you know my experience and my experience firsthand and my experience with respect to our clients that you just have, that need to have really open honest dialogue and communication around what are you trying to do because if we outgrow you let, let me help you find a job somewhere else let me help you find another, another, another home
1: so, what do you mean by "outgrow"? I guess I, I guess maybe I've just never seen that, or I just don't know, kind of exactly what you mean in those terms. So,
2: so a lot of companies that are early, they 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 hire people who they trust. First of all, they know they know who they are. They know them, right? There's a familiarity sense, and and then with that, they trust them. Okay, so that they're a known quantity, and they trust them. And generally, that employee, that person, they're part of the mission. Like they, whatever the mission is, and 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 starting a new company whether you make it or not is intoxicating you know mm-hmm. when you're out there and you're thinking about this is mine and even though you may go out of business but there's a period of time which is simply intoxicating and and that is contagious and and so but there comes a point in time when you start having processes and you have you know you need a financial expertise you need marketing expertise and that that person was you, your first or early they're kind of a, a jack of all trades they, they they did everything but good at nothing well, there comes a point in time when you need to be good. You need to have a really good marketing person. You need to have a good production person, a good operations person, a good financial. And they don't, they're not good at anything. They're just, you knew them, you trust them, and they, 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 they work at a good work ethic. And that's a really, really tough transition. And it happens all the time. I mean, r- rare are those circumstances where employee number one, two, three, four, five is with the company 20 years later. It happens, but it's very infrequent. And does it answer your question?
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. It makes a lot of sense. And as you were coming out of college, I guess, what I'm interested in now, your background is in you know management information systems, but not necessarily like financials or things like that. It's not what that My background is worse right? than that, actually. The, <laughs> the I went to Ohio We to, can't edit this part out. I'm fine with
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is raw truth. Uh, I went to Ohio State on an engineering scholarship, so my background was in engineering. And I realized my sophomore year I didn't want to be an engineer any longer. And so when I made the transition into business, I, I was really lost. What I wanted to do, I had no idea. Um, I was sitting around talking to my friends. I was a junior, he was a senior, and and I said, uh, he had this job, and I'm like, what What do you do? And he's like, you know, I'm I'm an intern for a financial planning firm, and I said, you know what's financial planning i you know i grew up very blue or very middle class in buffalo new york so blue collar there, there i mean i validated there were no financial planners where i grew up when i was you know there didn't exist and i think there's one broker in, in in town so i didn't know what that was but he said like, hey it's a great job and all i really wanted was something on my resume i didn't care and so i interviewed got the job and, and i began to understand what it was and so as time went on, I, I worked there for two years, in, in my junior and senior year, and, and I really uh, had it was so funny, I mean, at a very young, naive I was very young and I was very naive both. I, even then, thought I wanted to be an advisor to entrepreneur, to business owners. I, I, did not, I didn't realize first generation, and I have actually a business plan I wrote back in 1991 that's like this stick. And it was mm-hmm. all about being the expert to the business owners. And of course, that didn't pay the bills. So I had to, uh, had to be everything to everybody. and uh, But I, I still chuckled that, that very, very naively. That's what I wanted to do. Didn't realize it then.
1: And then kind of how did that escalate from there? Where you began to grow your expertise in all these different fields and become, I guess, I guess... From my perspective i would be concerned about having confidence giving these business owners advice on things that i really didn't have much background
0: on.
2: yeah so i was lucky and i had to cold call because I mean, i'm not from central ohio I cold, called, I cold called everybody and anybody the chamber endorsement was pretty significant that threw me into the 401k marketplace so i dealt directly with business owners and that's when the dial and that was like 90, 1993 or so and that's when the dialogue really started i started getting comfortable with with, with entrepreneurs and business owners um, and then, around, you know, once I made the decision to focus on entrepreneurs, the, uh, I realized pretty quickly that, you know what, we're going to have to develop content that's unique to these people. Because for me to sit here and say, hey, we're an investment advisor, financial planner for business owners and entrepreneurs, doesn't mean anything unless you have content that's specific to them, right? So, we did, that was a smart thing we did that we really started going on the path of developing content to help them make better decisions. and. And now, it's just interesting, our, our, what, we're, what we're producing for clients today is so different than what we did 15 years ago, even 10 years ago for that matter. And that's part of our competitive you know, future, that we have to continue to develop content that's unique and specific to first-generation entrepreneurs.
0: So what does the future of Gerber LLC look like? And kind of how do you guys piece together these entrepreneurial um, packages? So two different
2: questions i'll start with the first the, the future is the, the big thing our current project is what we're calling wisdom management we're building data around our clients so as an example you know when is it okay to buy the big house when is it okay to buy the second house when you when should you start thinking to hire a controller and we're really looking for unique pieces of data and unique unique um, tells if you will you know Mm -hmm. and so we're we're, that's that's a big one because i think that if we can really really be specific with helping people understand how to grow that that's just a game changer Um, the second thing is for the first time the last two years we've been really trying to grow the business you know i've never really tried hard to grow the business Mm -hmm. now we're really trying to grow the business and and we're we've been we hired a marketing person a few years ago and um Experimenting with different things that are, are beginning to work, and so the next step for us would be to open an office in Denver and open an office in Nashville, which I want to do that within two years. So we're we're getting closer and closer to, mm-hmm. to, to doing that. So,
1: so is it, how do you scale yourself within this business? Is it just by creating these products that you can then roll out, or
2: scale me personally, or scale the business?
1: I guess scale the business, but I feel like a lot of it's probably dependent on you. Is
2: well, so one of the one of the common mistakes. Small businesses, emerging businesses don't do that. They don't invest in training. So we are training the content for these guys. And mm-hmm. so they can answer, I mean, you asked, these guys can answer more questions for entrepreneurs than your average person working at an advisory firm. And probably more than advisors. And so we're really, really focused on getting, having them become subject matter experts in the content because clients don't, they don't it doesn't have to be me delivering the information. They just want to know what the information is. and so. We we know the questions to ask. We know where to look. It's just training. So, um, and I think that as long as we continue to, to develop the content and train our people how to answer questions, we, it's not. It's easy to scale. You know, mm-hmm. no different than any other service business like Accenture, right. right? So,
0: and at a high level, where where does your role move towards as you continue to expand and grow further and further? So, I, I am quite comfortable
2: with the reality that you know I've taken it, the visions. Mind, and i feel strongly that we're on the right track with the vision i may still run it when we open a second office i probably will but once we open a second office then we're going to have to hire true blue professional management because that will be way beyond my skill set or interest level even and i think that once we have the leadership team built out on being able to train and scale and recruit well then i will i will have my 100 clients and mm-hmm. go work every day like everybody else, and that's it. That's all said that and done.
0: Cool.
1: I think it's a good place to kind of wrap up with our final question. What we ask all of our guests and kind of the theme of what we've taken on the brand of Conquering Columbus to Be is live uncomfortably because we felt that through our experiences, through the successful people that we've met along the way, they've lived a large portion of their life uncomfortably in one way or another. So, I'd like, to just ask our guests kind of what does the phrase mean to you, and is there anything in particular in your life that kind of sticks out that relates to it?
2: Is there another way to live than uncomfortably <laughs> <laughs> you, you know i'm sure you get the answer pretty regularly mm-hmm. but you know you become as an entrepreneur you become comfortable with the uncomfortable you, you just you, you in fact it gets boring if it's not uncomfortable you, you know so um i i i don't i don't want to say this Rare do problems and challenges intimidate me at this point in time. That that sounds arrogant, but it's it's an issue. You have to solve it, and we've learned how to solve problems. So, um, what was a there was a second question to that
1: that I've forgotten. there's anything in your life in particular that really sticks out, that were I mean uncomfortable years, maybe starting the business. So
2: the uncomfortable part, which I think a lot of businesses have, is the people part. The people that when when you know good pe- when you when the company outgrows good people is having those conversations and 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 trying to figure out what's best for them and help them, but they may not be with you any longer. You know, we've, I don't like it, but it's also, it's also unfair. You know? So I, I, we've really taken the approach of, I'm not just gonna walk in and fire somebody, but rather talk about a planned exit. And we, we've, had, we've had to fire people, of course, for bad behavior, but for the most part, when most people don't work out here, we've had a planned exit. We're, 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 you know, we're talking about three months out, Helping them find a job very often, and um, helping them with what they're trying to do, and that—that's—I don't never gets comfortable, right? So I think the people part of business is uncomfortable.
0: Right, and I think I mean, sorry to steal a couple more minutes of your time, but there's one last question that I wanted to ask, and that is, you see a lot of entrepreneurs, you see a lot of people who are, and you advise a lot of people on their struggles. Is there any advice for people that are currently entrepreneurs or considering being entrepreneurs here in Columbus that might be listening to this podcast? that could be struggling either with their business, their personal life, their finances? Well, I mean, the advice
2: for people thinking about being entrepreneurs, if you don't have passion, it's not going to work. I mean, you know, I'm actually reading a book right now. It's called The Originals and they're making the case that people who have jobs and slowly move into entrepreneurship actually are more successful than doing just bull feet in. Mm-hmm. I haven't finished the book yet, so I don't know where the, the numbers are, but it's an interesting, uh, my, my, my reaction is you have to go both feet in, mm-hmm. but maybe there's some case to it. I, I, but I think no matter what, you have to have passion. You, right. you, you've got to, you got to be passionate and you have to have focus. I mean, for all entrepreneurs, for sure, this is, and people think you have got to be focused. And I, and I've gotten criticized for using this terminology, but do what you're best in the world of doing, mm-hmm. you, you know, Don't do other things. And you can generally hire that
0: stuff out. All right, conquerors. That was Randy Gerber, founder and principal of Gerber LLC, with some great advice for all entrepreneurs out there. We hope you guys enjoyed that episode, and we'll talk to you next week. If you guys enjoyed that episode, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitchers, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And go ahead and click that subscribe button. It'll make sure you never miss another episode of Conquering Columbus. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to say thanks to all of our incredible sponsors one more time. And that starts with our friends over at AWH. For those of you who haven't heard of AWH, they are a digital product consulting, user experience, and software development firm. And with over 22 years of experience, AWH collaborates with a variety of clients to drive desired business outcomes through great digital products. To find out more, check out AWH.net and let them know Conquering Columbus sent you. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. For more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities
1: Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them is a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing easy to use and tailored fit facilities maintenance and management software they serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management manufacturing fast casual restaurants you can learn more check out a free
0: trial at gofmx.com you could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and i might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but i'll find a way to survive i'll find a way to get the
2: job
1: done to not just be status quo. A desire to not be average. This
0: is Conquering Columbus.